Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys and to a new chapter in our Crystal Codex campaign. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 uh, we have Matt playing Pine, the venerable swordsman incapable of retiring. Hi! Scott playing Roos, the former bounty hunter, king, and currently cursed acolyte of Lady Jaffa. That's me. Jordan playing Ebby, the avatar of nature and liberator of a people. Salutations. Ooh. Sabrina playing Nari, a prophesied hero and queen's former consort. Hey there. And future consort. <laughs> uh, we'll see where that goes. The once and future consort. <laughs> <laughs> and me, Paul, the guy who writes a lot. Lame, <laughs> lame. He writes good. <laughs> I'm going to start apologizing in these intros again. I am sorry, everybody. I am sorry. <laughs> Anyway, if you want more of our adventure, go check out our Patreon. Then go check out our Discord server to chat it up with us, as well as other like-minded fans. And besides telling family and friends to check us out, you can also rate us five stars on your podcasting app. You could even do it right now. Don't worry. We'll wait. It doesn't work if you rate four. You, you have to do five. We'll know. Scott, they probably, they probably <laughs> missed that because they were in the process of rating at five. There you go. <laughs> You're right, you guys. We gotta give him a couple. Give him a couple more seconds. Couple more seconds. <laughs> okay. All right. You guys back? Okay. Don't forget the twelve sided guys will be at Fanex this year, September twenty second to the twenty fourth. Fanex is in Salt Lake City, so if you live in the Intermountain West or in the environs, or you want to go, um, start making plans to come and meet us. There's actually lots of cool things to do in Salt Lake, like hike, or go in a cave, or eat at restaurants. Or there's a place called Evermore, which is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to Vander's Keep, which is a restaurant there. That's really, really nice. Well, Chapter 5 ended with some exciting and intriguing machinations in play. I wonder what awaits Nari and the boys in Chapter 6. Anyway, if you ever got a demo tape from a green tentacle just so it would protect you from a purple one, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, Episode 65. We do Maniac Mansion as our next random zip game. That would be um, insane. Okay, you have one skill, and it is you are able to pick up a bottle of um, photo developer. That's right. <laughs> like, which character can actually grab that bottle without dropping it? Which one can do it? You have the skill that you can repair a telephone. <laughs> we join our heroes on this spring afternoon as they hike up into the glass mountains after having left Tabri in hopefully a better position than they found it our heroes nari and the boys are heading up towards the free peoples of allele they are heading up a path that they have traveled before uh, many years ago and as they travel i think each of them is sort of lost in thought and contemplating uh, all of the events that have just happened and what I guess they expect coming up in the future. Two black hilts poked out of the top of Roos's pack. The constant scream in the back of his mind to put them back on his hips again doled into the background as Nari and the boys engaged in idle road chatter. Mr. Pine was right. I can't control myself with these damn blades. Uh, 
Even the mention of their existence brings this pain to the forefront of my mind. Death is part of this world, but I don't have to be a catalyst for it. Laramie, I'll keep my promise, but Uramiel is the last being that I will kill. Jaffa, I keep asking you the same question, but I, I get nothing from you. Is that the answer? Silence? No, she's not the lady of indifference. Bad luck, the negative balancing force of good luck. Uh, life shits on everyone. Is that the balancing force? For all the good things that happen? Maybe it's not a balancing act between forces. What if she represents the fact that we don't have any control over most of what happens? Roos gripped the reins of feathers, suppressing the urge to reach his hand back to the cursed swords. I really missed just walking with these guys. Pine singing in menorees, Evie teaching us the difference between crow calls, and Nari rolling her eyes at all three of us when we say stupid stuff. Wait, did Evie just say my name? I haven't been listening. I'll nod my head. Maybe he'll accept that as a response. Ebby stared up at the clouds, lazily drifting overhead, while Amarok contentedly dozed, curled up in a ball, in the hood of the traveling cloak that hung down Ebby's back. It feels like it was yesterday that we traveled this way, after all of us first meeting up, right, Roos? Roos nodded as they clopped onward. Ebby relaxed and felt the cool wind dance against his metal face, mingled with the warmth of the occasional ray of sunlight. How long has it been since I last just... Looked at the sky. Amarok didn't respond audibly, didn't even move, but the thoughts came clear into his mind. Aralt Kumosha, your people once claimed the sky. It is only natural that you would be drawn to it. Ebby didn't respond at first, just kept his gaze lingering on the clouds overhead while his mount steadily clopped along down the road. Once claimed the sky. There was a time not too long ago when the loss of his wings stung Ebby. It now seemed a distant memory, overshadowed by a million other cares and worries. What were we like back then? Ebby asked out loud. Again, the thoughts popped into his head. Your people were an interesting lot, though Pavantis has always been full of interesting peoples. Throughout all of Doman, it is Pavantis that seems to have the most excitement. The weight of destiny and fate has always hung heavy on this plane. You speak as though there are worlds beyond our own. Well, there are, and there aren't. You see, they are all connected, with events in one plane seeping into the next. Even the, what do you call them, lords and ladies? Well, even they are simply aspects of the greater Driokt of Doman, a convergence of energy so potent that they have gained sentience, just as I have. Can they be trusted? Silence. After a moment, Amarok responded, Yes, and no. The aspects of Driokt, or lords and ladies, are entities of immense force. They push constantly in their chosen direction, in accordance with the forces that comprise their sentience. Given no resistance, any one aspect would push until it would destroy Doman, and so an opposite aspect converges to push against the other. Light and darkness, life and death, love and hate. In this dance, this duality, there is harmony. And with harmony, creation persists. But mark my words, Aralt Kumosha. While your Lord Moshe will push to bring balance, do not expect him to just stop once balance is restored. 
That drive to expand and fulfill their purpose consumes them. But you serve Lord Moshe, no? I serve the duality, the cycle, the dance between Moshe and Artarian. For now, Artarian has feasted, and feasted well. The Shattering saw to that. And now Moshe must swing the pendulum back so there can be balance. Balance, Arun Shea. You too will need to find balance if you are to survive. To survive where so many others have. Amarok's words drifted off, leaving a heavy silence in Ebi's mind, filled only with the occasional howl of the wind. fix this world, this world that we broke five years ago. Our little band of heroes, fools though we may be, we will atone for our mistakes. Somehow. I wish I could say that had I known what would happen, the breaking of Pavantis, the loss of thousands of lives, the loss of my clan, of our history, of my mother, the loss of the opportunity to make amends with her. I wish I could say that I would have chosen a different path. And yet, what other option was there? If we didn't act, if we didn't destroy that crystal engine, <laughs> well, that would have simply been delaying the inevitable. And good things came from the wreckage, right? I mean, the Empire is gone. Wasn't that my goal setting out? To avenge Tala's death? But I can't help but wonder, how many Talas died during the Shattering? How many Pines were taken away from their grandchildren? How many men, women, and children lost their livelihoods? And all the while I sat in a keep being served the Queen's wine, Kira. No. Queen Kira, good things have come. Queen Kira has built a kingdom that undoubtedly cares for its subjects more than the Empire ever could. I imagine, I hope, that other townships are likewise better equipped to serve their peoples. And Tikris, he's united the mountain clans. They're stronger together than they ever were separately. And Ebby's people, once held hostage, body and mind, for so many years, they're free once more. We've done some good for this world. We will discover whatever danger Iramil has planned, and we will stop it. I can only hope that this time there's less wreckage. Sanya, because I said so, used to be enough for her. Always my most obedient child, dutiful. That sense of duty, honor bound to a word. I can't fault her for that. I, we, we raised her praising that part of her. Counting on her to be responsible for her younger brothers, to assist her mother while I was away, encouraging her entrance into the officer's academy, and now... I see she's become a fine captain who commands the respect and loyalty of her subordinates. She's everything I hoped she'd grow to become. Tiny, I mean Brinby, 
He's come so far since he was my valet. I have no doubt that should Kira choose him as the field marshal over her forces, he would bring honor to the country and the position. His commanding presence would make great use of the sword we left with them. At this point, uh, Pine's thoughts wandered to just before they left Tabri. After reflection, Nari and the boys decided that the magical greatsword once belonging to Adjudicator Trippin would serve Tabri's highest-ranking officer better than it would the party. So they went to Willoughby's Weapons, a weapon store that we've known about since our preparation to stop birds hanging but never actually visited, and commissioned some cosmetic changes to make it harder to recognize and to add some Tabri-specific visual elements. I wonder if Kira will keep the name I suggested for the sword, the Tabori Field Marshal Zweihander. I wonder what Sanya calls her sword. It's clear she knows how to use it. I wonder if she would have used it on me. (sighs) Quite possibly. Damn it, Sanya! Why must you be so headstrong? Yes, you gave your word, you have a contract, but... But can you ignore the nature of your charge when more truth comes to light? Tamrit Jr. is well felt obligated to continue an undesirable path, but with him, he at least saw the direction his obligation took him, and he feared what his colleagues' misdeeds would do to his sense of righteousness, his conscience. How do you define honor, Sonya? And what makes an action moral? But Rolf had the same tendency, I think. Honor means sticking to one's word even when stated hastily and your spirit wants to take it back. Commanding the hanging of innocence to capture one dissident. Well, to capture me. Should have surrendered myself immediately. Bert should have never been put in that position. What an admirable friend. I wonder where he's gone. Still, that situation turned out about as well as it could have. Well, not for Rolf. I wonder what kind of man he would have become. I think the Tower of Judgment, their approach to authority creates narcissists, delusions of grandeur, even if the adjudicators don't start out that way. Rolf, a young, Menorese master swordsman. I wonder if he'd feel honored by me taking his sword. I wonder if Sanya would feel honored to be my daughter once all is said and done. Leon, like his mother, leads with his heart. Love and affection matter more to him than pride and honor. And Temer Jr., where are you in all of this? Where have you gone? Pedal, help me find our son. And Pine fiddles with the ring that he always wears on a chain around his neck, a slim band of silver set with a square sapphire. All right, as you are hiking up into the Glass Mountains, you pass by some familiar scenes. You uh, follow the road up. You can even still see um, at one point the indent in the ground where a a tree had been fallen across the path. It has long since been moved. Is Gob's body still there? (laughs) (laughs) I know our listeners want to know if Gob's body is still there. Because if it's not, there's a chance he's still alive. I'm going to roll investigate to find his skull. (laughs) Gob's body is not there. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) What was that that one in a million talk you had there earlier? We go further up the mountain um, to the point where the trees start to thin out a little bit. Not quite to the timberline, but um, up ahead, 
here in the late afternoon on your second day out of the city of Tabury, you see a familiar sight. You see a monument uh, uh, built to Lord Moshe, the Lord of nature, green things, and growing. And it is this uh, square Parthenon-esque type building. It has columns supporting a roof. Um, It has staircases going up on the uh, south side, the east side, and the west side, all going into the central room where um, there is a tree growing in this planter box in the middle. Um, And then um, on the north end, there is another staircase that goes further up, and there is a smaller uh, kind of alcove with a massive throne, a massive stone throne that you know is the seat that has been built for Lord Moshe. The I'm not the last time you guys were here because I know that um, Pine and um, Ebby, or at least Ebby has been back here um, on more than one occasion. The first time you guys came here, the tree looked dead. There were no leaves on it, but it was in the fall. Now the tree looks alive with pink blossoms, um, kind of pink and, and yellow um, stamen or whatever they're called. The little things that stick out of the blossoms. Pistols? Pistols, sure. I don't know. Pistols and stamens? <laughs> Pistols and stamen, yes, but pink blossoms all over this tree, um, and it definitely looks more alive. I think last time uh, we described it in the game, uh, you could tell that it was a living tree. It just had lost all of its leaves, but now it is definitely alive with blossoms, and it seems um, uh, quite beautiful here in this monument to Lord Moshe. Pine will um, turn to uh, get off of uh, um, Crumble's back and say, thank you again for for seeing me on our way. We've reached our destination, and I don't think you're going to want to go down these stairs. Go enjoy yourself. Enjoy the the forests of Mount Tabor. Pinewell send Crumbles on his way. And then Crumbles, you have to, like, throw rocks and say, I don't love you. I don't want you. Get down. Get down. Get. Go on. Get. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love you anymore. Are you, are you white-fanging Crumbles? Crumbles gets white-fanged. <laughs> Crumbles and I have an understanding. We we communicate telepathically. Uh, so Crumbles is fine. He just goes off and starts wandering the forest and we don't see him anymore. Crumbles kind of bows his head to you and then kind of prances off a lilt in his step. And then you are here at the temple, the shrine to Lord Moshe. Man, this, this brings back memories. I know, right? Uh, I mean, I've been here. I've been here as well. I, I know that the DM asked if... I wasn't quite sure if Pine had been here. Pine had been here, yes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a minute since we've all been here. That's true. Hey, Abby. Hi, Pine. I think you should go sit in that chair. Up here on the shrine? Well, I mean, you're you're the avatar of Lord Moshe. I'm just, you know... Maybe there's like another secret door or something and it and like a presence of Moshe on the throne could activate it or something. <laughs> Those buns could activate it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they already are. <laughs> I I noticed that your disguise um has the apple bottom jeans and it <gasps> You noticed. It was such an admirable feat, I just, you know, had to incorporate it somehow. <laughs> well, you should go rest that us up there on that chair and see if anything happens. Well. I mean, I also understand that it is like a, a, a shrine of religious significance, so if it would be distasteful to do so, I understand if you won't, but I think you should. There could be a secret door. Oh, <laughs> that's a wonderful idea. Well, 
perhaps I could give it a try. You know, I, I could try it out, see what happens. I seem to recall you tapping every single brick in this this facility with your cane last time we were here. That's true. And and when I came back, I just I had to double check. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Ruth, <clears throat> I don't mean to be rude, but Pine doesn't have the buns that Ebby does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ebby, you're going to go up to the uh, throne? Sure. Why not? Okay. <laughs> All right. It's massive. It's like it's built for somebody easily 15 feet tall. It's built for Abraham Lincoln. Yes, from the Lincoln right. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. It is built. Um, it's built about the same scale as the one was in Woodbridge, where uh, you saw the other um, throne with an actual wooden depiction of Lord Moshe. Ebby, you climb up into this throne. As you sit on this throne, um, you can see that um, this portion of the of the temple, the shrine. Um, there is a roof over it, but you can see like the light coming in through the sides because, again, it is just a, a roof held on by pillars um, or held up with pillars, uh, kind of like the Parthenon. And if you don't know what the Parthenon is, um, you can look it up. As you sit there on this throne, I want you to make a perception check. Uh, bees rolling perception. Do, 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 do. Got a 14. You sit down on this throne um, and you gaze uh, straight ahead. And, and as you gaze straight ahead, you can see that your vision uh, is uh, dominated by this tree. Uh, you're looking at the branches of this tree with all of the blossoms on it. You can um, instinctively pick out that one branch that is not quite right. It's a bare branch. Um, it blends in and it's hard to see if you're not looking for it. But where you're sitting, you can spot it. And as you are sitting there with your 14 perception, this is a stone throne. It's been here for a long time. Um, you kind of rest your hands on the seat or on the armrest or uh, wherever you do. But as you put your hand down, uh, you can see there's like some moss that has grown on this stone throne over the decades or centuries since it was built. And um, as you look down, you see the moss spread just a little bit as you touch the throne. Interesting. You know, Ebby's probably not going to mention anything or say anything necessarily. What I imagine is, you know, he he dropped his disguised self kind of packed feature that he got. Um, so he's just been in his normal Ormec kind of form. So I imagine him seeing that moss kind of grow a little bit. And then he him then like taking a moment and actually staring at his own like metal and his skin basically and seeing the lichen and the the tarnish that has kind of started to develop and even like the small little roots and plants that are starting to peek out around the seams and cracks i would imagine as you do that you look at your hand that was closest to that moss and there's a little bit more green coming out where the knuckles of your hand are at this point are you saying he literally has a green thumb <laughs> <laughs> green knuckles <laughs> What's everybody else doing? Pine is looking for the secret door that just opened up. <laughs> I'll rule an investigation check. Make an investigation check. Nari's looking for goblins that might be on the, the loose. <laughs> That's true. Oh, you gosh. never know when you might have to kill Hob 2.0. Uh, investigation? Pine rolled a seven on his investigation. <laughs> you are looking high and low and you cannot find that secret door that you are sure just opened up. Damn it. 
You know it's got to be there somewhere, though. <laughs> These ancients, man, they did, they hit those secret doors so well. Did you tap this one over here? <laughs> Many times. I'll do it again, just, just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Anything, Abby? Oh, to get into the... Oh, you have to pull the, the limb. How did it feel up on the throne? Did you feel anything? Like, did you see a door open? Where Where is it? <laughs> it's got to be here somewhere. <laughs> Sorry to say, Pine, I don't believe that anything unlocked this time around. Okay, well, well, the good thing is we don't have to camp out here again. We can just head down and see some friends. That sounds like a great idea. Ebby, Ebby at the same time, he says that, but he's kind of has this a little bit of reluctance because there's this part of him that feels like I've sort of abandoned these people. Oh, yeah. So there might be like not a sluggishness necessarily, but he's not perhaps as full of pep as maybe one would expect. Got it. Okay. Well, Pine will go over and pull the, the, the stick and open the secret door. Cause at least there's one secret door we know about. <laughs> as you pull on the branch, um, you hear that little click and you know that now you can push the planter aside and that it will actually move. Um, unless something's changed in the last little bit, it'll move very, very easily. And as you push it aside, you see this spiraling staircase going down, down, down into the depths of the earth. All right. Come on, everyone. Hebby, do you want to lead the way? Or do you want us to, like, go ahead of you and, like, hype you up? <laughs> Here comes Ebby, the savior of the people. <laughs> Just a second. I bought this in Tabry before I before I left. And he and Pine pulls out a big like hourglass on a on a on a big chain and he sort of puts it around his neck like Flava Flav, but fantasy. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I've got a horn that you can play too to announce my coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, that's not a hat? You've been wearing it on your head for as long as I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> it does make a nice hat, though. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> what would happen if someone were to, like, somebody taller than you, like, say, Nari, were to blow into that horn while you're wearing it like a hat? Um, <laughs> I don't think anything good. Okay, Nari, don't do that. Damn it. I was about to try. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, whenever you guys talk about him wearing this horn on his head, I totally picture the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz now. <laughs> <laughs> it is good to travel with you all. This has been nice. It's felt like a long time. It feels good to be back in the mountains. All right. Well, I can take the lead. I'm happy to do that. Okay. As you start to go down this spiraling staircase, uh, last time I described it, I think I remember describing it as um, as you're walking along, there's no railing on the inside and the staircase uh, kind of winds around this, uh, this cylinder that goes down into the ground. As you go down the stairs, you kind of rub your hand along the outside wall to help keep your balance. And you can start to feel water um, on the wall, like wet spots. And then eventually as you get uh, further down, uh, you can actually feel that the wall is just wet. You're um, you're low enough that the water is just seeping in uh, to this cavern. And as you recall, at the very bottom of this of this uh, cylinder, there is water. Um, and I think Nari took a dip trying to collect some crystals. And I think what like thirteen gold pieces worth of crystals or something like that. It was. I think it was like two. I was so salty. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Two gold pieces is a lot when you're level three. Ah. 
Well, as you descend the stairs this time, um, you notice something um, as you as you go further and further down. That is that there is light at the bottom of this of this shaft. Um, light that was not there um, the first time you went. Now, anybody who's been there in the last year or so would have seen that there have been certain modifications to this ancient facility. You guys get down to the very bottom of this of this staircase. And again, the ground is all wet. Uh, they've built a little wooden bridge that goes from the bottom step uh, to the east where this uh, hallway stretches uh, further east and into this ancient facility. Well, Abby, it's nice to see that you uh, fixed up the place so no one has to drown. Uh, yes, they've uh, they've been busy for sure. Hey, Paul. So Pine would have been here while during his tenure as a, a, an advisor to Kira. He would have come and visited once. Would is has this changed since then? That would be like a year and a half ago, two years ago. I would say that the bridge is uh, has been here for a while. Um, the lights are new. The lights are um, crystals. They're um, they're crystal tech that they've somehow managed to um, scrounge up. Um, as everyone maybe remembers, um, harvesting new crystals out of Pavantis out of the earth does not work anymore. Naturally occurring crystals that are still attached to Pavantis no longer are magical. They are now just mundane crystals. But any crystals that have been harvested before five years ago when the party destroyed everything, um, those still have magical um, potency. So somehow they have found these crystals that are, that are um, lighting up the, uh, the bottom of this shaft as well as this, uh, this hallway that heads off to the east. Well, the light's new to me, yes. Yes, I mean, it's, it is interesting, um, I suppose. But when you think about it, the free peoples of Alil, the Ormex that we've been liberating, you know, they don't, eat they don't need to drink anything and they don't really even sleep hardly at all they they might kind of rest a bit but they just kind of go stationary and stare at each other oh yeah actually that's exactly what they do <laughs> they all stand in one room and they all stare at each other and it's very very fun <laughs> <laughs> completely normal i thought you were gonna say they'd sit around and stare at each other that's very boring <laughs> like from the little mermaid <laughs> scuttle <laughs> after you guys go across the bridge and into this hallway um at the far eastern edge of the hallway is a double door that you guys have accessed before um it is currently shut uh, do we need Gigi to help us with this again <laughs> no that shouldn't be necessary abby's gonna go ahead and open up the door as you open the door, you can see um, into the room beyond. This is the room where there was the mosaic uh, floor tiles that followed the same pattern, the red, orange, yellow, green, light blue, dark blue, purple, and white, kind of in a circle around, um, around the middle of this, of this chamber. Uh, it gave off a, a, a soft glow, kind of this light glow from the floor tiles. You see these two Ormex standing guard, and actually one of them is carrying a halberd, which is very um, similar to um, the Ormex, the deacons that you had encountered way back with the Empire. Um, the other one has uh, just a, a spear in their hand, and um, there's a, something a little different about these these Ormex or these deacons, whatever you want to call them. Um, one of them is painted blue with um, kind of darker blue... Uh, almost tiger stripes on their skin. And then the other one is painted a nice green with kind of a leaf motif on the shoulders and on the elbows. 
So they are no longer just straight metal like they were when you liberated them, Abby. They, uh, they stop you and point their weapons at you and they say, Holt, who comes here? And then they see who it is and they say, Abby, you've returned. And they look at you, Pine, and they say, and, and Mr. Pine, welcome back to the Free Peoples of Allele. We're glad to be back. You've made some changes. Oh, the lights. Yes. Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to make it more comfortable down here. Also, loving your fit. Yeah. <laughs> Ebby steps forward and says, salutations. And we'll kind of do a little bow to them. They will bow back. And then the one who is green with kind of the leaf motif steps forward and he clasps your hand, Ebby, and he says, it's so great to see you again. And you as well. <sighs> it's been too long. Hermine will want to see you. Yes, uh, is she nearby? Yeah, how is she? She's, she's good. She's taken to leadership quite well. She always had that ability. Can Nari roll a perception check about how that, how that sounds? Because he sounds a little bit hesitant. Yeah, go for it. Would it be insight? Yeah, insight check. Nice. 24. Uh, 24 insight. You, um, as he's saying, uh, yeah, She's good. She's good. Um, you sense a hesitancy in his um, in his tone. You sense that um, the impression you get is that things are not bad, but you would get the impression this guy is not content. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he lives underground and guards a hallway that nobody ever comes down with a spear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he used to fly above the skies, but yeah, no, for sure. Nari will keep quiet on the, those uh, observations, though, for sure. Man, your life really sucks compared to what it used to be, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's better than being controlled. I mean, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Is this conversation actually happening? <laughs> no, Pine did not say that out loud. <laughs> At least he's got a nice paint job. The, the painting is new. You look amazing. Oh, thank you. Some of us have taken to decorating ourselves. We uh, sometimes we feel we've lost our individuality a little bit, and this helps to set us apart. I decided to model myself after after Lord Moshe's creations, who who sits above us and I guess protects us. Nari kind of gestures to her tattoos and says, "I absolutely understand. I've I've done the same," and kind of smiles. Should we get some paint for you too, Evie? You might want to touch up the bones that you put on years ago. The paint is flaking off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Abby did the same thing. It was like a skeleton. It was cool. Don't look at my bones. Those are my bones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure Hermine will want to will want to speak with you. So um, I can show you the way, but I'm sure you know it already. Yes, is she just in in the uh, in the study in the in the laboratory? More than likely. Uh, you would know, Ebby, um, that because there are like 199 or 197 of you or something like that, or maybe even 200 or more, there's a lot of people to be down here in this ancient facility. Take my plus or minus four. <laughs> Somewhere in there. <laughs> there's right around 200. And um, you would know you that um, they were actually, um, this facility got crowded uh, a little, uh, really quickly. And so they've actually pushed that wall that had opened up when the um, when the large um, Ormec, when there had exploded, that um, wall has been opened up more. And um, some of the living arrangements have been pushed back into the cave system 
behind um, that cave system that leads all the way to the the old uh, Fallen Heaven hideout. So um, you have deacons living here in the facility itself and also in some of those caves. And that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And and just so I'm clear too, like um, when Ebby when we, when Ebby stashed the Allele Eagle, it was in this same kind of network of caves, correct? The Allele Eagle is in a cave that is accessible through the caves that connect both to the Fallen Heaven hideout and to this ancient facility. Yes. Okay. Well, this way, everyone. And Ebby's going to start walking over towards the uh, laboratory where Hermine used to do a lot of her work. Perfect. Yeah, you guys ventured further into the facility. The uh, the two Ormex that were there in guarding the door, they kind of shut the door and then they follow behind you. Um, this is probably some of the most excitement that they've had for a long time. Better not be any spiders in this cavern this time. <laughs> As you guys enter the room where there's the pipe and there's the grate and there's the uh, the water, there's still a little bit of water. It looks like they've um, managed to patch it uh, a bit, but they don't focus so much on that stuff. More of what they've been focusing on is further on in the actual uh, kind of research areas. As you guys venture further into the facility with these two Ormex following behind you, you come into this large room. Before, when you first came here, there were like desks and tables. There were crystals stacked up. It looked like this was um, some kind of research uh, room with uh, bookshelves. This is actually where you found the uh, the Crystal Codex, uh, that book that um, Ebby was able to read that was written by Arnium Celadar. And um, the room beyond is where you found the crystal pizza shield. And that is a larger room with some kind of a, uh, a plinth with some kind of energy on it. But as, after you took the disc away, the energy turned off. Um, so just a quick recap of, of what had happened when you were here before. Um, as you come into the, the study area where the desks and the bookshelves are, you see there are many Ormex in there. They are sitting around, they are talking. Um, some of them are writing down things. It looks like they're having some lively um, debates or uh, meetings trying to uh, discuss uh, intellectual uh, pursuits. Um, you see the rudimentary beginnings of some experiments, it looks like, some kind of like scale model machinery um, utilizing what little crystal tech they still have down here. There was uh, piles of crystal here um, earlier when you guys came, and they've looks like they've been utilizing some of those crystals for some of these little machines that they have been working on. And as you come into this room, um, the conversation stops and uh, all eyes turn towards you four. And uh, it is quiet. Ahoy, hoy! Salutations. Ah, those desks, they're, they're great. You should keep those around in case you ever need to hide. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nari, I think you could fit very well underneath one of those. Absolutely. Conversation dies down completely, and as you guys uh, greet them, um, there is a chorus of of kind of uh, shouts and cheers, and and they're back, they're back, and Ebby, our liberator, is here, and and that kind of thing. And they stand up, and they all want to kind of come around and clasp you on the back. And you notice that not all of them, but quite a few of them, have taken to painting themselves in different different styles. You know, you see like black uh, spirals painted all over one of them, and you see that somebody else has painted themselves all pink. They've just really tried to distinguish themselves from each other because without any kind of uh, distinguishing features, they all look almost exactly the same. A particularly sassy one has painted himself all gold with one silver leg. 
Yeah, exactly. There is one that does stand out. Um, this Ormec is um, a little bit more beat up than the others. Uh, looks a little bit more aged, a little more tarnished, um, and is also missing an arm from the elbow down. Ebby, you see Hermine is uh, coming into the study from the larger room beyond at all of the commotion. And she sees you, Ebby, and locks eyes with you. Ebby is going to kind of move to her and, you know, in a tender voice, just be like, Hermine, it's been far too long. Far too long indeed. Ebby, I, I, feared, I feared you were gone. And then she rushes to you and gives you a big hug, just wraps her arm around you. Yeah, Ebby, Ebby is fully reciprocating that hug. It's been a long time and I know it and and I should have sent word or communicated with you sooner, but um, so much has happened and there's still so much work yet to be done. I'm sorry for not being in contact earlier. And at some point, Amarok is going to crawl out of Ebby's hood and perch himself on his shoulder. She feels it as his fur brushes against her forehead as she has her head resting on your shoulder and she kind of pulls back, not like it, like scared or anything, but she just pulls back and she looks up and she says, who's this? A pet? And then she looks at you more closely, Ebby, and she sees some of the, some of the extra greenery, some of the vines, some of the moss, some of the lichen. And she looks in your eyes and she says, you've changed. You've, you've grown. You're different. Ebby kind of hangs his head down a little bit and in a little bit of a more quiet voice says, you have no idea just how much to. Hermine, this is Amarok. Amarok, this is Hermine. I don't think Amarok's going to speak audibly or anything. He's just going to kind of sit up there and stare at her. And how will Amarok respond if she gives him scritches under his chin? I think like, you know, I mean, he's he's kind of like a little wolf shaped thing. Right. But he acts a little bit more like a house cat. Gotcha. Okay. He won't swat at her, but he might kind of have that like reluctant, you know, kind of head pulled back thing a little bit. He's going to pretend that he doesn't love it. That's yes. right. Exactly. <laughs> she says, well, Amarok, it is a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for keeping my Ebby safe. And then uh, she says. What brings you back? Are you, are you here to, to help us? Are you here to pick up the mantle and, and free more of our kind? Are you here to help us rebuild some kind of a society? Are you, are you here to stay? I wish I could tell you that I was here to stay. There's still too much work to be done. And I wish I could say that I was here specifically to help, help our people. But there is duty that calls me elsewhere. I wish I had more time to tell you everything that's happened, but the world has grown unsteady. I'm sure you've felt it. I'm sure you've seen it in your studies, in in your brilliant mind. I know that you've been able to see we're not done with this fight. Amarok was sent to help me, and Lord Moshe has asked that I carry his banner in what is to come. She nods. She says that is a, a heavy burden. That's been placed on you, and I, I wish I could help you carry it. You already do help me carry it in ways you may never know. But uh, I digress. We have come because we need to use the, um, the Alil Eagle. 
Legal, legal, ain't illegal. <laughs> the legal. <laughs> if she had eyes instead of just green orbs, you, they would have rolled way back in her head right now. <laughs> saying that it reminds me of on uh, on Thirty Rock when uh, uh, Jenna was in the movie The Rural Juror. <laughs> the Rural Juror. <laughs> the Rural Juror. The Rural Juror. <laughs> yeah, I I was just thinking of Arrested Development, the Bob Loblaws Loblog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the airship. Yeah, it's 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 still safe. We we check on it regularly. Nothing has disturbed it. But Ebby, it's great to see you. But we've we've been busy as well. We've we've made some some steps forward. We've we've managed to. Well, come here. Look. Let me show you. Okay. Yes. And then um, she she motions you into the large room that has that kind of stasis uh, chamber that had the the crystal uh, pizza shield on it. And as you approach, you can see that there's actually one deacon or one Ormac that did not come into the room to see you uh, when you came in. He has been busy at work uh, underneath this machine working on some wiring or conduit or something beyond your understanding, Ebby. While this is all going on, Pine is looking at the experiments that they're doing here in the smaller study, and he's pretending like he understands what's going on. Oh, yes, this is this looks this looks, this looks like a promising one. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Roos is trying not to look jealous of uh, Hermine and Ebby chatting together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't you, Pine, as you're looking at these different uh, experiments, why don't you make it an, uh, either uh, an insight or an investigation check? I'll let you do either one of those. Um, or you can just make a straight intelligence check. Ebby, as you are being brought in here by Hermine, um, she motions to this Ormac who is working on the pedestal, and she says, Jasper, Jasper, Ebby's back. And then this uh, Ormac kind of sits up, and you can see that he has painted himself completely gray, like just gray. Um, and he stands up, he says, Oh, Ebby, it's great to see you. I've been hard at work, and... Uh, I think I got it. I think I got it. And he uh, he says, check this out. And he bends over into that little um, compartment he was working on. He flips some kind of switch or connects some kind of wire or something. And suddenly you see the pedestal turn back on. <laughs> that pedestal has been turned off since you grabbed that disc. And he steps back. Ebby, Ebby like steps back. What? How is this possible? I thought that when the shattering happened, all of the energy was was uh, dispersed, that it wouldn't work anymore. The mechanism in here, I had to find, I had, I had to harvest so many, or not harvest, I had to scavenge so many crystals from so much of the little knickknacks and things that were around here, but I, I think I finally have enough power to get this to work. Stasis field, it works again. And Hermine kind of looks at Jasper and then looks over at you, Abby, like, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Congratulations. That's, that's a tremendous breakthrough. What are, what are some of the use cases that you've, uh, that you've been considering for it? That is a very, uh, like, uh, a great way of saying, what the hell does it do? <laughs> <laughs> if I have enough power in this and the crystals will last long enough, I think that they will last we should be able to put something here in this field and it will resist the powers of decay. It will, it will stay there the same forever. Interesting. Okay. Sort of trapped in time, I guess you could say. If the power were to be amplified, which could be done potentially by using a recursive redistribution of energy here. Do you see that part there? 
And oh yes, if you're Does that able to know what he's talking about, <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. But I'm curious if we were able to um, amplify this, could it hold someone or a being in stasis, almost as though it were a prison? He kind of kind of steps back, kind of a, a little bit shocked, like, oh, I, I guess I I think that. Yeah, that should work. But I mean, you can see here and he kind of walks up to it and he kind of he kind of uh, holds his hands up around it. And it's a very narrow, like little um, shaft of 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 energy, um, maybe big enough for like an apple. Right. Like that's the diameter of this uh, this field. Uh, it, it would need to be a lot more energy to to hold something that big. I mean, we're having to be very judicious with how we use the crystals that we have here. I mean, this is not the only experiment, as I'm sure you saw in the other room. Uh, we've been really, really working hard on trying to figure out what we can do to help, to help the world. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. It's, it's a great first step. And I know that, um, that you have all worked incredibly hard to, to accomplish this. So certainly congratulations to everyone for this hard work. Um, to kind of peek a little bit behind the curtain, Ebby in his mind is just kind of considering like if there ends up being a showdown between like the Angel of Unity, um, Iremiel and us. And if we can't defeat him, I wonder if we could use this contraption to trap him again and almost lock him like we did or like uh, Arnium and everyone else did all those years ago. We've had bad luck with Band-Aids in the past. <laughs> also, in a way, weren't your people kind of trapped in perpetuity? I'm not sure it's the most humane thing to do, even to a god. No, no, it's not. Um, in fact, it would. I think it would be a, a, only an option of last resort, but more so just considering um, what some potential use cases may be in case something starts to grow a little bit beyond our abilities to handle. You can see Jasper is just kind of like listening to you guys talk. And he's like, I, I guess I didn't fully anticipate the ramifications of getting this thing back up and running. I mean, maybe, maybe there's more potential than I thought, but I'd need, I'd need a much bigger power source. <laughs> totally understood. Well, I think continue your research. Certainly this is, this is remarkable, you know, to, to have a piece of the puzzle back in operation like this, no doubt there is significant amount of information we'll be able to glean from it. Pine, what was your uh, investigation check? Oh, it was a 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you keep walking along, patting people on the back, going, keep it up, young buck. You're doing great work. <laughs> good, good, yes, good. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Bravo. Bravo. Are you my boss? <laughs> he's totally he's totally playing the mid-level manager right now <laughs> you got a coffee in one hand a clipboard in the other hey i will need those uh tps reports on my desk in, in the morning <laughs> um yeah you have no idea you see little flashing lights and stuff and you can see things like every once in a while like a little pop and some smoke and then like somebody will shake their head and somebody will say no don't worry you'll get it next time we're, we're so close um, as they keep the up with these all of these experiments. <laughs> well, then Pine will after that Pine will make his way into the room with the rest of them. So Hermine then um, she pulls the four of you aside and she says, "So you're taking you're taking the airship. If I'm if I might ask, where where are you headed? Well, we have a few things that are immediately pressing. We'll, we need to go to to Arkelvi 
there are tensions between the uh, the nearby neighboring kingdom of Tabori and Arkelvi um, that we need to investigate. And then the tall one there, Nari, we need to check in on her peoples as well. And the use of the airship will help to expedite that so that we don't lose too much time. And I think ultimately after that, we'll make our way to Almar. Technically, this is within the kingdom of Tabori's boundaries, correct? Technically, yes. Pine will at that also Pine will say, yes, there are there are tensions in Tabori, but I mean, I I'm going to say this again. I think opening up a relationship with Tabori, sending an ambassador or even accepting one here from Tabori, I think you both could benefit from cooperation. Queen Kira has done. She's made it illegal for anyone to own an unawakened Ormek. She's ready to ha- to have a relationship with the free peoples of Alil if if you are and I think I think she could use an ally right now not that you would need to fight or anything but just to know that she's not alone in the tensions that are currently mounting in the area. And honestly, you've already welcomed uh, a messenger of Tabori. Nari will kind of look at Pine. Oh, right, I forgot to say, I was an ambassador. After I was an advisor there, you know, like last time I came and we, I brought that special thing for the uh, for the airship. Well, anyway, I, I went back and I became an ambassador as well. So, so, I mean, technically speaking, yes, yeah, you, right now you're talking with an ambassador from the, the Kingdom of Tabori. We would love to open a more official relationship with your with your people. And again, your security, your secrecy would be at the forefront of any relationship. She nods. She says, I agree. I think it's time. I think it's time that we stopped hiding. Ebby is kind of nodding, like almost proud of her for that decision. I have a, a very special request. I'm glad you're here when you when you came. Um, another another few days and it would have been we would have missed this opportunity. Please, please, just just one moment, one moment. And then she um she kind of like hurries out the back into the cave system, leaving the four of you and Jasper alone here in this massive room. It better be some hella good wine or cheese that she's grabbing. <laughs> <laughs> um well Nari, why don't you make a quick perception check? All right, that was a dirty 20. Nice. So so you see Jasper is working on this um, on this contraption again. He's kind of gone back to work. You can see he's got like some tools over to the side. He's got like um, it looks like a little bundle of something and sticking out of the bundle. You actually see some food. You see a very large egg. Porthos. So anyway, um, um, Hermine comes <laughs> comes hustling back into the room, and behind her you see nine Ormex are following behind her. Um, and as they uh, kind of array themselves behind her as she stops in front of you, they kind of separate into three groups of three. Hermine, um, she motions to the groups behind her and she says, Ebby, we decided that we needed to continue the work that you started and continue to liberate our people. And these, and she motions to these three groups, she says, these are, these are our volunteers who have decided to go out into the world and travel down to Rakolia, to the old Almerian province, and see what deacons, what 
what of our people who are still being held they can find and to, to try to rescue them. Each group consists of three members. We have, we have a, a leader, and then like one of the member will step forward. He says, we have the protector, and then like one will step forward who's like armed. And you know how um, uh, I described the, the deacons back that were being used by the empire? They had like armor and stuff bolted onto them. Many of these um, Ormex now have taken that off, right? These are not warriors. These are not fighters. But these Ormex that have stepped forward when she mentions protectors, they have armor back on. You can see they are wearing weapons and things as well. And she says, and we have liberators. And then the last of each group will step forward. And she says, these liberators have, have they've read the, the Crystal Codex. They've read the Tome of Arnium Celadar. And they feel that they will be able to carry on the work and possibly rescue more of our kind. Since you are going to Rakolia and taking the airship, would you take these groups of liberators. I'm a, a, bit, a bit reluctant <laughs> to agree to such a thing. Yes, we can bring them along with us, but Hermine, you should know just how dangerous it is out there. If it weren't for the assistance of Pine and others, and if it weren't for the blessing of Lord Moshe even, I'm not sure that I would have succeeded at liberating any others. She She nods. She says, yes. I know. I know it is dangerous. I know it is so risky, but I know that it must be done. And she, uh, she motions to the ones who are the protectors, the ones who are wearing armor and carrying weapons. They have been training now for over a year with weapons and armor, utilizing what skills they learned from the empire, which was granted not much, but it's time we have to rescue our people. And Ebby, you, you started the fire in us. And now we must, we must move forward. There are still so many of our kind who are, who are trapped. Ebby started the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the exact same song. <laughs> I, I actually was too. Um, Hermine, you say that this must be done. And so it shall be. I will gladly accept their their companionship as we travel and when we head to Rakolia we shall we shall see them safely there so that they can continue the work. Perhaps they may even find some work in Arkelvi as well. Thank you, Ebby. And thank you, the boys and Nari. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been called a boy for a long time. Old man is usually what they say. <laughs> Well, will you be resting with us tonight before you take the ship, or are you leaving now? No, by all means. Love to spend an evening with you. Right, everyone? <laughs> what, standing in a circle staring at each other? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we face the wall to, to be more polite. <laughs> <laughs> when they want privacy, they just turn their head to the wall. <laughs> I'm picturing like uh, I am legend, just a room full of these Ormex kind of oh. bobbing and bouncing to themselves. Like, oh, geez, <laughs> oh, that's disturbing. That's disturbing. You went it went from just being a little creepy to being way disturbing. Yes. <laughs> that book is way better than that movie, by the way. The I am legend book is like so much better than the movie. I really need to read that then. It's phenomenal. Pine and Roos and Nari, I need you all to make perception checks. Not Ebby. 
Pine finally got a good roll, an 18. Nari got an... Wait, Nari got a 14, sorry. Roos rolled a nat 20 and got a 31. Jeez. <laughs> Godlike levels of perception. Oh, man. <laughs> I need to take a couple levels in, in Rogue and get some uh, expertise. <sighs> yeah, it's that expertise. That's what's bumping it up. What do you, what do your Roos eyes see? Roos sees into their very soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you guys are kind of watching. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Is Roos finding a secret door? (laughs) (laughs) No, not everything is that cool, okay? I was just going to say, as you guys are watching Hermine and Ebby talk, um, you notice something about Ebby that maybe you didn't notice before. It's not that big of a deal, but you notice that Ebby's eyes are a kind of a brighter green, a more lively green than the other Ormex down here. His eye color has changed along with the... um, the lichen and the grass and the ivy and things that are growing out of his out of his carapace. Ebby is different. Hermine um, takes you by the hand, Ebby, and says, "Then come, let's let's go back and and let's um, let's spend the evening together, talking and sharing stories before you before you leave." Yes, let's do that. And she starts to lead you back into the cave. Yep, Ebby's going to go with her. Who's who saw the egg? Nari saw the egg. I, I did, and I want to talk to I want to talk to Ebby about that. But I think while he's with Hermine, I, I'm going to just find a good desk to uh, snooze under. <laughs> well, no, actually, she motioned for all of you guys to follow. She motioned for all of you guys to follow. Yeah, it wasn't like you guys. You guys just hang out here. But uh, no, it was like, come on, come on back. <laughs> I thought she wanted some alone time. I mean, they they might be there might be some alone time later. But she's just she's just come on, come come into our come into our into our home. This is a little bit more, um, not so much living. Uh, this is all work um, area here. And the living is more in the caves. No, absolutely. I will follow then as long as you gestured to all of us. Yeah, Roos is following too. Well, Hermine takes Ebby by the hand and leads, uh, leads you uh, and the rest of you follow down this cave, which is very similar to what you um, followed years ago. But after a short time, just like 20 or 30 feet, they have actually... Um, mined out some of the walls and pushed things open. They found some other natural like um, uh, caverns and things that were behind some rock walls. They've managed to make this whole area much bigger and actually much more inviting. There is um, kind of crystal tech lighting throughout the area. There is kind of this uh, feeling of um, li- a lived-in type of a feeling. They have found some wood and some um, other uh, building materials. They've built some like little um, huts and that kind of thing. There is um, this large chamber with all these little huts and these little um, tents and things for privacy that are um, scattered around this cavern. And in the middle, there is kind of this place with uh, benches and logs and things to sit on and to talk. And um, there in the middle of this uh, area, you see a bunch of Ormex sitting around talking and they are um, mostly talking with this um, chubby Morgan Freeman, who also has a pet woolly ox. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks like he is. It looks like Gerard and Porthos are down here, actually. And Gerard has like set up a little table. He's got some different wares out here, and um, you can hear him talking. And he's saying like, "Oh, my friends, you know, I understand you don't have much money, but I do love a good trade. So what have you got?" <laughs> and people are bringing forth, uh, you know, some of their things, trying to see what he's got for them, um, that kind of thing. Oh my goodness. 
Gerard, what are you doing down here? This is a secret place. Gerard notices you and he says, oh, my friends, my friends. <laughs> it seems like I just saw you just like three days ago. And you did. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, you throw around that my friends quite a lot. I'm, I'm learning. I'm not feeling quite as special as I used to. Well, I am a very friendly guy. I have friends everywhere I go. That's true. But come, come, let's talk. Let's talk. I, I didn't know that you knew of the peoples of Alil. I've been trading and bartering with them now for the last few years. But you didn't know that the only other Ormek that you've met knew of the other Ormeks in the area? <laughs> Did Gerard ever actually know that you were an Ormek? Did he? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I don't think he did. I don't. I don't think it ever came up. Maybe it did, but I don't remember it coming up. I, I remember in like one of our very first episodes when we first tried to hide from him in the woods, and I did a really crappy job of my stealth check, and we yes. said that the light was shining off of Ebby's head. Oh yes, your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> But I think he called it a helmet. I think he thought it was a helmet because you guys were describing how. Yeah, you're probably right. How he's not from around here and how Abby doesn't need to sleep that much. And actually, so when you come walking in and, and he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't know that you knew about the peoples of Alil. And he looks at you Abby, and he goes, ah, oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense. The fact that he talks to Porthos and has conversations, that part makes sense. Or just like the shiny head thing. The shiny head thing. The shiny head thing. <laughs> <laughs> My friends, there's a lot of mystery amongst you, but come. I mean, I have wares if you want to see my wares. <laughs> well, yes, let's let's see what you've got. Show me what you've got. As you go up to see uh, to see uh, Porthos and Gerard, you can see that he's got again. He's kind of refilled all of his supplies of health potions. He's got um, all the other potions that he had. Spider climb, haste, blink. Um, he's got uh, um, a growth potion. He's got that ever-smoking bottle, rope of climbing. He's still got that ion stone. He's got that staff of withering, a bag of holding, uh, the two immovable rods, and then he's got an animated shield. I know last time we talked about the staff of withering would be a great weapon, at least for maybe for Nari to start off with, just to get those hit, hit with those initial charges and then switch to her axe, just because they it would end up doing what? Like, isn't it like... The, the staff itself would be a D8. It doesn't do like an extra 2D8 or something damage. I think it's an extra 2D8 of damage. And then it also has something where it like um, weakens you um, as well for like an hour. Something something to that effect. I, I, I don't have it. And it's like three charges or something, right? We talked about pillaging gear and stuff. But I think that Nari has an extra mithril plate to sell since she took that. Um... Oh, the mithril chain? Yeah. So that might be worthwhile to sell that reminds me too um the book that uh kippen had been using right kippen was the the spell book yes i don't know that we ever got a chance to hear what that one was so why don't you make an arcana check real quick for me then ebby since you're looking through it i have terrible arcana and <laughs> i rolled a two Yep, sure is book-like. <laughs> yes, you can see that it is a spell book of some kind. Um, the spells are all written in a language that you don't understand. And that's about as far as you can get with it, too. Got it. Okay. 
Okay, so you guys were asking about the Staff of Withering. The Staff of Withering, it does have three charges, and then um, you can uh, expend a charge to deal 2d10 necrotic damage extra, and then they have, to, they have to make a constitution save difficulty 15, or have disadvantage for one hour on any ability check or saving throw that uses strength or constitution. See, I, I think that that would be a really great, like, start out a fight big hits from Nari with two hands on that because that would be 1d8 plus 2d10 damage for like the first however many charges you wanted to spend then switch to your axe if that's something you're at all interested in maybe that's gaming it too maybe that's metagaming too much but uh, I think it could be really useful I, I put it in the game so therefore it's it's you can use it <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that that animated shield would be wonderful for you Nari I mean the um that new plate armor you're wearing, super scary, I gotta say. It <laughs> looks really good on you, but could you imagine how, how intimidating you would be if you had also a shield just like flying around you and like blocking everything while you're swinging this huge axe around? I do admit I would look scary. Um, <laughs> and I would not be opposed to that, but I do think that uh, that we might want to save our money for Roos's, uh <clears throat> Affliction. That's true. Yes, that's true. That's true. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I would per prefer to solve that over my um, inability to block. I have a little bit of money. I hope it's enough. So if you guys can afford the shield, go for it. What were the prices on the staff and the shield? The staff is 3000 and the shield is 6000 there's also more healing potions. I know you guys use some of your healing potions, greater and regular. Yeah, that's that's expensive. Oh, honestly, heck no. That's way too much. <laughs> okay. I'd be open to getting some more healing potions, though. I feel like that's always helpful. All right. Okay. Yeah, healing potions, regular ones are 50 gold apiece, and then the um, the greater are, are 150 apiece. So there are five greater healings and four regular healings. Russell by one regular healing. Okay. Pine ha has money from selling the book, the Sudoku puzzle book still. Um, yes, so yes. he'll he'll go ahead and spot spot uh, everybody for the five greater healing and give one to everybody and he'll take two for himself. Okay. Perfect. Is there anything else you guys want from Gerard or just an egg? Wait, is Porthos down here? Yeah, Porthos is totally down here. <laughs> You uh, as as you as, as you as you kind of like wait, Porthos is down here. You kind of have like a, a, a an inquisitive look on your face, and then uh, Gerard just looks at you and shrugs and says, "Featherfall." <laughs> wow, that's impressive that he squeezed through those doors as well. But yes, <laughs> good to see you, Porthos. You are full of surprises. Yes, there is still that little tiny um, crystal just zipping around his head as he chews on cud that. He never actually... You wonder how old that cud is that he's been chewing on this whole time. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> he's had that crystal of sustenance for, I don't know, five years now. If you guys are done shopping, we'll say you pass the night talking with uh, Hermine and with the other Ormex. I think that at some point, Ebby, you and Hermine kind of go off and the two of you um, maybe share a little moment. Uh, just the two of you. Point that Hermine is trying to get across to you, Ebby, is that her people, your people, your people are—they're um, tired of hiding, and they are starting to feel trapped and isolated. 
and um, and she's ready to take uh, to take the next step towards actually uh, being a free people um, as opposed to just calling themselves a free people. Ebby is going to be very supportive of her in this and kind of agreeing with her. What Ebby is feeling and kind of thinking under the surface is that he kind of feels like there will be conflict coming and the free peoples of Allele won't have the luxury of trying to stay hidden if we are to save the world. So he feels like, yeah, no, it's probably better that they start getting out there and liberating more and making alliances now. We'll say that um, as uh, as she kind of does her quiet time, like Ebby does, she sits next to Ebby and she she just holds your hand. Perfect. <laughs> so while that's happening, while we're in the other room, you know, talking whatever, um, during the during the I don't know if it's festivities or just the, the evening, Pine will go sidle up next to Nari and say, "Nari." Are you going to give Kira a call tonight? I mean, I don't think we came across anything that's uh, that's surprising. Do you have something you'd like to tell her? And she'll kind of offer up the stone in case Pine has a, has a message. <laughs> she doesn't want to hear from me. I don't know if she wants to hear from me either. First off, I mean, it might be just purely practical. It might be useful or might be wise to just let her know to anticipate that she may be receiving visitors from the free peoples of Allele. But that's not what I'm getting at. Nari, when I got married, my father-in-law gave me some advice. There's these things called the birds and the bees. (laughs) (laughs) Abby speaks up and says, yes, and when birds say this, this is what they mean. (laughs) Which kind of bees are we talking about as well? Because there's all sorts of bees out there. (laughs) Many different chances. (laughs) All of a sudden, everybody's all up in Pine's business. (laughs) Nari and I were having a moment. (laughs) Anyway, Nari, now that everybody's kind of gone back to their own business. That's now canon. <laughs> well, my mother-in-law actually didn't care for me much. She, she didn't. She didn't want her daughter marrying a, a soldier and being gone all the time, and you know, dead in some foreign war. But my my father-in-law, he actually he appreciated that I would be able to provide a good life for for his his daughter and grandchildren. But when we got married, he gave me this advice. He said, "For a relationship to work." to last a long time. Both partners in the relationship need to be willing to give a little bit on their most important issues. I appreciate that, Pine. I, I, I will let her know that, uh, that she should be expecting a message from the free people of Aleo. And Ari will kind of saunter off to a corner to uh, send her message to Kira. I like how Pine is just bullying Nari into a relationship, whether she wants it or not. <laughs> no, no. If if, Pi, if Nari will listen, Pine will just, again, will, will continue to, like, he doesn't want to belabor the point too much, but just say, I've seen how she looks at you, and I've seen how you look at her. And life is short. And to be able to experience it with one you love, a lifetime of good memories that could keep you going when times are tough. You're very wise, and and I hope 
I hope that whatever we end with, it will be good memories. You're a good person, Nari. I'm glad to know you. Likewise. The night passes, and uh, it's hard to tell whether it's day or night here, but somehow the the uh, the Ormex all kind of know when the sun is up, and um, morning comes, and um, you gather your things. Hermine um, leads you through the caves uh, on a kind of a circuitous route um, to this very large cavern. This cavern actually, so it's not a full uh, fully enclosed cave. It's actually it's a large cave, but part of it is open to the sky, and you can see the airship. The Allele Eagle has been uh, kind of docked here. It has, um, you know how with a ship, when it's on dry dock, whatever, it's got these like beams that hold it up off to keep the keel off of the, off the ground so it protects the keel, um, the bottom of the ship. The Allele Eagle is, is resting on this kind of, um, this, um, this wooden... Um, apparatus that keeps it up off of the ground but um, a scaffold a, sure a scaffold yes yes um and you see the allele eagle the um the balloon is still inflated so um, just a reminder uh, we talked we talked about it when we started chapter five but the illegal the the illegal the illegal <laughs> eagle this is such a dumb name <laughs> <laughs> that was your choice that was your name <laughs> why did you guys let me name it <laughs> Anyway, um, so the the airship, it has uh, the hull is made up of like square panels um, of wood. And each one has a yellow crystal stud in it that slightly glows. It's like adjuration magic to keep the wood from rotting, to keep it like intact. Um, And then it has the, the balloon itself is spherical the 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 propellers that it has rather than like um like jet engines or big like metal props or anything or like copter blades it has um like canvas pinwheels that will spin and they will kind of have a trail of canvas out behind them like a like a ribbon spinning i don't think we decided i don't think we've ever talked about the the colors or anything else like that but we'll get to that as we like go in the interior and stuff um, so Hermine, um, as uh, as you guys uh, kind of load up the Allele Eagle, these nine other Ormex, they board the ship with you. One of them steps forward and says, if anything you need running this ship, we are more than happy to to help you. We've all been been on it a couple of times, not flying, but we've we've gotten a feel for it and how how it works. So you let us know what you need. Um, so you, you now have nine um, helpers to help you fly this ship. I look forward to hearing the names that you've picked for all nine of them. (laughs) (laughs) And the unique paint patterns on all of them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, we have Malcolm Griffith, Clement, Preston, Grover, Alva, um, (laughs) Jessamine, Blodwin, Myrtle, and Daffodil. Oh, that was really good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was more than one, two, three, four, five. Actually, that was ten. So no daffodil, no daffodil. Leave her behind. <laughs> daffodil stayed behind. Daffodil's a stowaway. A little kid, a little kid Ormek that we're going to have be the cabin boy and swab the deck and stuff. Daffodil's <laughs> a stowaway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as you guys get aboard the Allele Eagle, um, wait, there was one other thing that was different. Pine, wasn't there something you wanted to show everybody? Oh, yes. I forgot. As you as we as we get there as well, Pine commissioned a, a figurehead uh, for the Allele Eagle. And that's, that's when he visited a year and a half ago. He was based, him and Crumbles were kind of bringing it up um, so that it could be affixed to the ship. But uh, it's basically 
a one-to-one recreation, as far as Pine can remember, carved from wood, of Lady Barbara. Oh, cool. So it is a giant shield with a relief sculpture of a of a woman on there. Um, and also behind the shield are seven are the hilts of seven swords kind of um, uh, spreading out from around it. And that's affixed to the front. That's cool. And then Pine and Pine will say, well, I only saw her for a second and I'm thinking maybe I made the bosoms too large. What do you think? No, Pine. No. Large enough, if you ask me. (laughs) I think those bosoms are perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, you guys get aboard the Allele Eagle. Hermine waves goodbye. You start up the engines and lift off as you rise up into the sky and head off towards your next stop. And that is where we will end for tonight. We're finally on the airship. We're finally going to get to pilot it somewhere. (laughs) You guys have had an airship for a whole chapter and everyone's like, I don't really want it. You can have it. No, I don't want it. You can have it. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, very fun, guys. That was cool to see kind of what's going on with all these freed Ormex and see how Hermine is doing. Um, And uh, maybe some, uh, some fun little tidbits of information were gleaned there as well. Anyway... If you like what we're doing, go support us if you want to, or at least just, you know, tell your friends and family about us. Uh, We really love what we're doing, and we're glad that you guys do too. Check out our Discord. The link is in the description. We have been active on it and uh, chatting with uh, lots of uh, fans, and some of our patrons have gone on there and talked with us as well. It's just a, a great place to show some art and to share some spoilers and things like that. That's been a lot of fun. But until we see you next time, we hope you have a great time. (laughs) 